If you'll open your Bibles again to Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to look at two words found in two verses. And I want you to look at verse number 35, and I want you to look at verse number 36. It is two words from these two verses that I preach from this morning. And uh, the middle of verse number 35, probably the second line, you find the words, and others. Verse number 36, the verse begins with those same two words, and others. I want to preach this morning on the subject of the unknown servant. The unknown servant. Uh, this morning I feel that just a little more somber, a little more solemn than I usually do. I, uh, I love life, but I love church. I get excited when you come to church and I have church in here a lot by myself, and I had a pretty good service this morning uh, by myself. The offering was down a bit, but I had a good time this morning. And, uh, but I, I love it when you get here, but because of the focus of the week, and especially uh, on Friday, uh, the recognition and the remembrance of the price paid uh, for the freedom uh, that we enjoy. One of the great fears I have is for children uh, to grow up thinking that our freedom was free. Our freedom is not free and it has never been cheap and a great price has been paid. And uh, this morning I want to talk about not just uh, the soldier, uh, but I want to talk about the unknown servant. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray again and I think of this so often at this particular prayer. I do not pray because I am required to. <clears throat> I could preach without praying this prayer. I, I don't pray this prayer because it is a habit too. But Lord, with all of my heart, I hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. And because, Lord, I understand that some could be here uh, to hear the final message that they would ever hear. And Lord, I pray that's not the case, but it has been many times through the years. And I do not want to fail them, and certainly, Lord, I do not want to fail you. And there will come a time that my final sermon will be preached, and I, I don't want to waste a single time or take for granted a single time that you've given me the privilege to preach at your precious book. And I pray that this morning it would be a message that would make a difference in our thinking and in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The 11th chapter of Hebrews reminds me of a memorial wall that is dedicated to honor soldiers who have given their lives for the cause of freedom. For example, the Vietnam Memorial Wall, and they even have a traveling display of that wall that is about half the size of the wall that's in Washington, and it bears the name of 58,000 soldiers. Uh, who gave their lives in that war. Uh, there are many monuments and war memorials across America that list the names of American heroes. This week I have spent the time watching videos of various uh, memorial walls and I 
<clears throat> watch as parents or grandparents uh, walk up to a wall and uh, they begin to look, first of all, by uh, letter for the last name. And it's obvious what they are doing. And then when they locate the letter of the last name, then begin to search and they find someone, whether it was a brother or sister, a son or a daughter, uh, someone that had given their life for the cause of freedom. And they stand there in honor and they stand there in memory. <clears throat> they stand there a bit sad and somber but thankful and very honored that their loved one gave their life in service for our country. When you begin reading the book of Hebrews and chapter 11, you have the same sense, you have the same idea. For example, it lists a group of Christian heroes who gave of themselves for the cause of Christ, that the gospel would be preached. And dear friend, listen to me, the freedom that we have in America, that is always under threat and can be taken away. Ah, but the freedom that I have in Christ is eternal and it cannot be taken away. And I thank God for those who are giving and those who have given their lives for the cause of Christ and the gospel. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, by faith, Abel. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice and was accepted of God. The Bible says by faith Enoch. Enoch was a preacher of righteousness. The Bible says by faith Noah. Uh, Noah built an ark of safety. The Bible says by faith Abraham. Abraham was the man who left his home in the Ur of the Chaldees to go to a place that God would show him. Uh, Sarah by faith gave birth to the promised seed of Abraham at the age of 90, a miracle of God. By faith, Isaac, have you ever thought of the faith of Abraham to offer his own son on a sacrifice on an altar? But have you ever thought of, this, uh, of the faith of Isaac that was willing uh, to lay down on the altar uh, that his father could take his life? Of course, it did not happen. God stopped him and provided a ram in his place. But by faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. Jacob's life was changed. Jacob's name was changed. And he became Israel, uh, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, by faith, Joseph saved his people in the world. Uh, by faith of Moses, uh, he gave us the law and he delivered the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. And I could take an entire service for each, for each of these names given and talk about the greatness of these men and women that gave their life for the cause of Christ and for the gospel. But I found it interesting this week as I read not only that list of names, I came to verse number 35 and it said, and others. And verse number 36, it gave those words again, and others. Look at it again, if you will. Verse number 35, the Bible says, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. Talking of others, unnamed servants, the Bible says they were stoned, 
they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. As I read those two words, and I read them twice, verse 35 and verse 36, I thought of the great host of servants of God this world never knew by name. But they, just like those whose names and acts of heroism were known and acts of faith are talked about and taught about in the classrooms of America and our American heroes. The Arlington National Cemetery is filled with hundreds and thousands of soldiers that gave themselves for the cause of freedom in America. Not just that cemetery, but cemeteries across America, one just a few miles from here, uh, marks uh, many graves of those that have served our country. I believe I am right. There's approximately 400,000 graves and markers in the Arlington Cemetery. Also, there is in the Arlington Cemetery in Virginia a tomb that holds the remains of three soldiers, and the tomb is marked the tomb of the unknown soldier. Through the ages, one of the consequences of warfare has been large numbers of unidentified dead. Sometimes unidentified remains resulted from poor record-keeping, the damage that weapons of war inflicted on the bodies of the soldiers, or the haste required to bury the dead and mark the grave sites. In the United States prior to the Civil War, unidentified remains were often buried in mass graves. During the Civil War, 1861 to 1865, high casualty rates and lack of personal identification led to large numbers of unknowns originally buried along marching routes or battlefields. The system of national cemeteries was established in 1862 to ensure the proper burial of all service members. Still, many unknown remains were recovered in the years following the Civil War. On November 11, 1921, that would have been 101 years ago Friday, the unknown was placed on a horse-drawn caisson and carried in a, a procession through Washington, D.C. and across the Potomac River. A state funeral ceremony was held at Arlington National Cemeteries and the unknown was interred in the tomb of the unknown soldier. President Warren G. Harding officiated at the ceremony and placed the Medal of Honor, the nation's highest military decoration, on the casket. The tomb coffin is decorated with three wreaths on each side panel, north and south. On the front, or the east side, three figures that represent peace, victory, and valor. The back or the west side features the following inscription. Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. 
In August 1956, President Dwight D. Eisenhower approved the selection and internment of unknowns from both World War II and Korea. In 1926, soldiers were first assigned to guard the tomb of the unknown soldier. The guards then present only during daylight hours were there to discourage visitors from climbing or stepping on the tomb. In 1937, the guards became a 24-7 presence, standing watch over the unknown soldier at all times. The 3rd United States Infantry Regiment, known as the Old Guard, was designated as the Army's official ceremonial unit on April 6, 1948. America recognizes not only those it knew by name and act, it also recognizes the unknown soldier who gave his all by vigilant watch over that tomb 24-7. How many of you have visited the tomb of the unknown soldier? Raise your hand. Quite a few folks have. Quite a sight it is. This morning I want to point out that the God of heaven also watches over his servants that serve him. And while they may not be known at all to man, while their names may not be written down anywhere for folks to remember, or a statute in their name erected in their glory and honor, God knows every single one of those servants. Perhaps it was your grandmother that gave you the gospel, or your mother, or your grandfather, an aunt or an uncle that taught your Sunday school class, that led in your vacation Bible school, that directed the choir when you were a child or a teenager, that directed you to faith in Christ. No one but you may know their name, but I just want you to know this morning, there's a God in heaven who knows not only the names of the remains of those soldiers that are in the tomb of the unknown, he also knows and has for the ages of time and eternity known and others. While some are recognized by name, God knows every single one of them. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Friend, it doesn't really matter what this world knows as far as names and heroes. Ah, but it does matter that the God of heaven knows who you are. I'm glad from the time that God gave me life in my mother's womb, he knew me. And I'm thankful for the day that I put my faith and trust in Christ and my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm glad while others may not, and it doesn't matter, he knows my name. And he knows you and he knows every servant. Have you ever given thought to how many unnamed heroes, unnamed servants there are in Scripture? I'll give you just a few to get your mind thinking. Do you know none of the carpenters that assisted in the building of the ark are mentioned? None of those who labored in building the tabernacle are listed by name. 
The same is true of those and while the overseers of the building of the temple, the tabernacle and the ark are mentioned, everybody knows Nehemiah's name. But the Bible says, and Nehemiah said, I and some few men with me, others do not know the name of those few men that went with Nehemiah. We know Nehemiah's name. God knows the names of every servant that went with Nehemiah to review and view the broken down walls in Jerusalem. We know the name of Gideon, but it was 300 mighty and valiant men that are unnamed that went into battle with Gideon at a time that you would want to be quiet because you're so outnumbered, followed the instruction of Gideon when he told them to break the pitcher, to let their light shine and sound the trumpet. And when the Midianites heard the sound of 300 trumpets and they saw all of a sudden 300 lights and the power of God behind those men, God won a mighty victory that day over the Midianites. Yes, when we see Gideon, we'll know him by name. But those 300 are equal in heaven because God knows the names of those 300. The three valiant men who at the risk of their life brought water from the well of Bethlehem and gave it to their general, to their sergeant, to their battlefield leader, David. Those names are not known by name to us, but they're known by name to God. Among the unnamed of the Bible, there were 7,000 when Elijah declared, I'm the only one left, God, that is jealous for your name and that loves you. God said, why, Elijah? There are 7,000 prophets that have not bowed the knee to Baal. I know the name Elijah. He knows 7,000 names in addition to Elijah. Hey, dear friend, can I tell you, when we get to the shores of heaven and we recognize who the heroes really are, that your Sunday school teacher, perhaps your mother, perhaps your loved one that guided you in faith to Christ, God knows their name. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I don't know the names of the wise men, but God does. I don't know the name of the man that Jesus was talking about when he said, and a sower went forth to sow, but God does. I don't know the names of the shepherds that declared that Christ has been born, but God knows every name of every shepherd that declared the good news. I don't know the name of the good Samaritan except the good Samaritan, but God knows the name of the good Samaritan. I don't know the names of the 70 disciples that were sent out by Christ and they went out with the gospel. And I don't know the names of the multitude of people that received the gospel and by faith trusted Christ. But I want to tell you in my mind, the line is a whole lot longer than it used to be when I add to the list of names that I know all of those unnamed people I didn't know, but God knows. 
What a joy it is to be a servant of the king. You may not be recognized here on earth for your faithfulness to serve God. You may not be recognized here on earth by what you've given to keep the buses going and keep the soul winning ministries going and keep the Christian school open. You may not be recognized by name here on this earth. Ah, but the Bible says in addition to these names that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, there were others and God knows their name. I don't know the name of the leper that came back and said to Jesus, thank you, but he knows his name. I don't know the name of the centurion and his servant that had such faith in God, but he knows his name. I don't know who the certain scribe is that Matthew is talking about in chapter 8, but God knows his name. Oh, I know Paul's name. You remember he was thrown in jail and there was an earthquake at midnight because they were singing praises to God. And I'm thankful for Paul and I'm glad I know his name. I don't know the name of the jailer. The jailer that said, what must I do to be saved? that got saved and went home with Paul and he and, and, and all of his house got saved. I don't know their name, but God knows their name. I don't know the names of the 120 that were in the upper room. I know the names of a few that the Bible tells us about in Acts chapter 1, but God knows all of their names. Here's what I'm saying this morning. As the tomb of the unknown soldier says, honored Glory, here rest an honored glory, an American soldier known but to God. And the truth is, that's all that matters. I want to say five things quickly about this unknown servant. By the way, I want to be a servant of God. And I fear oftentimes that we get in our own way Desiring to be known rather than desiring for him to be known. Sometimes we desire for others. And, and, and I believe honor is to be given to whom honor is due. It is not wrong to recognize by name the name of Noah and Abraham. And these are not less important that are unnamed. And he says so in Hebrews chapter 11. But I want to say this morning, don't we all want to be considered a servant? of the Lord. Let me give you five things quickly about this unknown servant, this and others that he's talking about in addition to Noah, in addition to Enoch, in addition to Abraham, in addition to Sarah, these and others. First of all, this servant may be unknown, but he is a real servant. In the tomb of the unknown soldier, it's interesting when you read the history of how especially the remains of the World War II soldier was chosen and the remains of the Korean War uh, hero was chosen uh, and how they decided among four or among five caskets and a wreath or roses were placed on there uh, by a chosen soldier as to which of the unknown. And, and, and it's interesting uh, how all of that happened. And there's no way to know their names, but they are real so soldiers. They are real servants. Just as much as Noah, the unknown, is real. J just, as much as, just as much as Abraham, they are real. Aren't you glad for the person that greets you at church? 
Aren't you glad for the usher that guides you uh, to the right place? Aren't you glad for the driver that drives the bus and brings the boys and girls to church? Aren't you glad for the bus captain that goes out on Saturday and knocks on the door? And they may not be known, but they're real people. Not only is a servant unknown, but a real servant. Second of all, the servant may be unknown, but he did have a place of service. A place of service. I watched several this week memorial videos that were published by and about President Reagan and his ability with words and the passion and compassion that he had and that he gave in speeches and the various stories that he told of servants, of soldiers, knowing that their next mission would be their last mission. And they knew that as they went to fulfill their mission, that most likely they would not return. And I, I watched again and again, and I don't know how many different ones I watched. L let me tell you something, folks. There ought to be sometimes that we turn the phone off and our games off and TV off and look back and see what made our country what it is. There's a great price paid for the freedom that we enjoy in America. There are folks here whose brother never returned. There are folks here whose children or grandchildren never returned from foreign soil. This servant that he's talking about when he says, and others may be unknown, but he had a real place of service. You know, I, I was thinking this week in, in all of this that there were two people that went to the temple waiting for the birth of Christ, Anna and Simeon. They're very special people. The, the only thing they did, they just went to the temple and they stayed waiting for the birth of Christ, Anna and Simeon. Have you read about them in the book of Luke? They're interesting people. But I wonder how many folks were there at the temple serving that were not named in the scripture. I just want to say this morning, God sees everything you do for him. God sees every nickel you give. God sees every track you give. God hears every sincere heart uh, given and heartfelt prayer. God sees your service. And sometimes this old flesh, we get discouraged because maybe things are not recognized. It ought to be recognized. I want to point our attention to the fact what matters is not that others recognize us or not. But there are no unknowns in heaven. And they're a real person. And they had a real place of service. What I know about these unknown right here, this servant number three, may be unknown to us, but they were faithful. They're listed here because they're faithful. I read in these words that they could have been set free, but they they would not deny their Savior. They would not deny their faith in Christ. I read recently of four Huguenot uh, uh, martyrs for Christ. And they, went, and they went to the guillotine or to the hanging. And they went to the hanging singing and praising God. And they were singing the hymn that is from the passage of Scripture that says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I said in Sunday school, if they could rejoice in God going to the guillotine, I ought to be able to rejoice in him going to church. They were faithful. 
They were faithful. It's not a commonplace thing today. We live in a day where folks don't want to be committed to a place of service. But this morning, I want to say thank you to those that are committed to their place of service. They're committed to their church. They're committed to their giving. They're committed to their place. They're committed and they're faithful people. Let me give you number four quickly. The servant may be unknown, but they did make the ultimate sacrifice. When I think of those there that represent the many unknown, that their bodies were never recovered, they represent the unknown. I think of these unknown. They paid the ultimate sacrifice. When we get to heaven, we'll probably find out who the real heroes are, won't we? I flew into Chicago one day years ago, and I had just been traveling and preaching in churches a few years, and I met an older preacher who is in heaven now, who traveled as I do every week, and he asked me, and I, I remember well, he said, you have time for a cup of coffee? I didn't drink coffee then, but I said, yes, I'll have a cup of coffee because I wanted to spend time with him. And his name was known by every fundamental Baptist church and other denominations around the world. And I remember the conversation that we had, and I remember how good it made me feel. Here's what he said. He said, you know, when we get to heaven, and perhaps we get in line to receive awards, he said, you may think me to be in the front of the line, but you know who I think is going to be in the front of the line? Men who served God faithfully that nobody ever knew. Maybe a preacher like your dad that served God in the mountains and few ever knew him, but God knew his faithfulness. God knew his commitment. God knew his heart. I remember what a blessing it was to recognize that he recognized the greatness of the unknown. And as I open the Bible this morning, and as I think of our veterans, I think of the tomb of the unknown soldier, and then I recognize the God of heaven. There is nobody that's unknown to him. And he recognized that they gave and paid the ultimate sacrifice. Here's the last thing. The servant may be unknown, But one day, their tomb will be empty. He's coming again. Whether it was a soldier that knew Christ as Savior, whether his body was buried and could not be identified because of the weapons and because of the destruction of his body, whether it was that servant of God that died unknown, one of these days, the trumpet of God is going to sound. Here's what the Bible says. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So in this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength and the strength of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. We recognize our veterans. And we're thankful for the names that we know. They serve as examples of heroism. They serve as examples of courage and commitment. We're thankful for them. But I'm glad we live in a country that recognizes not only it's known, but it's unknown. But I'm glad there's a God in heaven that also recognizes the faithful servant of God. Unknown to men, but known to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. What a wonderful God we serve. Lord, as I have been in and around the greatest parades I've ever seen were parades of veterans and soldiers and military bands. There's no music to me like that. I've heard the Marine Corps band play at the inauguration. Ah, oh, but Lord, one day when we step into the portals of glory and we hear the angelic choirs and we get to join them in voice singing praise to the Lamb, what a wonderful time it's going to be. I pray, Lord, if there's one here today that they're unknown of you because they've never received you as Savior, I pray that today they would trust you as their personal Savior. I pray that you'd bless their invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. He's going to sing.